0: Greetings, soul sisters, spiritual brethren, and non-binary siblings. This is the Queer Ritual Podcast, a place to discuss healing, spiritual practices, guided meditations and self-empowerment with a queer-minded focus. Allies are welcome too. I'm your host, Ricky B. Malone. My pronouns are he, they. I'm a Reiki master, intuitive healer, and master esthetician based out of the East Coast of the U.S. My goal with this podcast is to empower others to discover their true selves and live the lives they truly want. Hello, everyone. So today I want to talk about the Buddhist concept of right speech. Since I work in the spa industry, I hear so many stories from so many clients who wanna get things off their chest, right? You know, because I work in a place of healing, There are things that people need to say to lighten their emotional or spiritual load. And then I, in turn, also have to make sure that I'm not saying anything to uh, upset them while they're there seeing me. So to me, the practice of right speech is pretty important. Now, in Buddhism, right speech is part of the Noble Eightfold Path, or the Path to Liberation from Suffering. The fourth noble truth is that the path to end suffering is the Noble Eightfold Path. Uh, oversimplification, it's kind of like the Buddhist version of the Ten Commandments. I mean, I don't really think it's fair to equate the uh, concepts from one religion to another, necessarily. But, you know, if you want to simplify it into something that makes sense, that's pretty accessible. I would say that. But, you know, don't don't say that. <laughs> but anyway, so the, the steps of the Eightfold Path are right view right thought, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. You could essentially break down each of these eight steps and turn them into their own spiritual practice on their own. But at the same time, it's all going to start with right view. Regardless, we have to start with right view because acknowledging the effects of the ego mind on our perceptions of reality affects all the other steps on the Eightfold Path. So if we have warped views or wrong views, we can't practice right speech. Now, in Buddhism, right speech is not just speaking the truth. There are examples where the truth could be harmful. So I'm going to read some excerpts from the Pali Canon, um, First off, let me explain that Buddhist scriptures are non-standardized. So there are different uh, canons that different schools of Buddhism follow. There is not one unified Bible in the same way that there is in Judaism or Christianity. In Buddhism, there are very, very many texts. I'm talking thousands of texts that were initially transmitted verbally and then eventually written down after a a certain amount of time had passed. So because it's written from a verbal, from an oral transmission, there's going to be some things that get like repeated a lot. And because of that, there also might be some subtle differences from text to text. So there isn't going to be one unified place to elucidate what is the definition of right speech. I'm just choosing two particular texts just for simplicity's sake. So the first excerpt I'm going to read is from the Maga Vibhanga Sutta which is a translation from Tanisaro Bhikkhu. You can find this on access to insight.org. The quote reads as follows. And what is right speech? Abstaining from lying, from divisive speech, from abusive speech, and from idle, idle chatter. That is called right speech. Idle chatter in a Buddhist context is referring to uh, mindless speech, uh, talking about, about other people, you know, gossiping, uh, telling cruel jokes, or even just talking about the weather, you know, like it's speech just for speech's sake, as opposed to mindful speech. Okay. The uh, next uh, reading I'm going to have is from the Vacha Sutta. This is the entire sutta in its entirety. It's a pretty short one. This one comes from the same translator and the same website. Monks, a statement endowed with five factors is well-spoken, not ill-spoken. It is blameless and unfaulted by knowledgeable people. Which five? It is spoken at the right time. It is spoken in truth. It is spoken affectionately. It is spoken beneficially. It is spoken with a mind of goodwill. A statement endowed with these five factors is well-spoken, not ill-spoken. It is blameless and unfaulted by knowledgeable people. Now I could go, you know, break down every single thing that's said in those two texts. And ultimately, yes, that would be how you practice right speech. But it's also something that you don't want to over intellectualize. Like, yes, don't lie. Uh, don't try to blame others. Uh, Speak from a place of compassion. Speak kindly to other people. Don't speak abusively to other people. And then don't try to divide groups of people, avoiding divisive speech. But ultimately, practicing right speech is going to come from a place of mindfulness as well. As our mindful states grow, the effects of defiled mind states lessen. So not speaking out of turn, not speaking out of malice, and not speaking in a way that causes suffering in ourselves or others is an essential part of right speech. So as we become mindful of the nature of cause and effect, we're also going to realize the effects our own speech has on other people. People who don't speak mindfully will be unaware of the destructive nature of their own words which can lead to damaged relationships and blaming others for their own mistakes. So it all comes back to paying attention. When we are paying attention to how we feel in the moment and paying attention to the effects of our words on other people, that increases our chances of practicing right speech. I do think right speech is a constant practice. It is not just something that you learn once and it's done. Because it depends entirely on the situation you're in, the person you're talking to, your own emotional state in that moment. These all affect the way you talk. And if you aren't paying attention to how you feel in that moment, it could lead you to say something that you're going to regret later. Now, the flip side of right speech is also going to be right listening or deep listening or mindful listening. And then also silence. So let's acknowledge the difference between hearing and listening. You know, hearing is your ability to hear the sound coming in through your ears, but listening is the ability to pay attention to those sounds, to pay attention to the words that are being spoken. And then also nonverbal communication too, paying attention to the mind states of the person you're speaking to as well as yourself. So in some situations, such as when someone continues to lie or they fail to listen, sometimes the only truth that someone can speak is silence. And that can be a difficult part of right speech as well. If the uh, lines of communication have completely fallen apart, sometimes the only truth you can speak is silence. So if we're operating in different realities, or what Buddhists would call wrong view then truth is fiction and lies are truth. If you can't agree on what is truth when you're talking to somebody else, then you can't really speak the truth. You speak the truth to them and they just interpret it as lies. Uh, I've had several clients over the past few years vent to me about their parents, uh, I guess parent, not just parents, their loved ones falling into uh, conspiratorial thinking. There are a lot of uh, conspiracy theories floating around right now and just various forms of indoctrination. And when people become indoctrinated or become conspiracy theorists, they're operating on a different reality from everybody else. If we can't agree on a shared reality, then we can't practice right speech. We can't speak the truth. Because again, when people are living in different realities, truth is fiction and lies are truth. So that's, again, why it all comes back to practicing right view. We have to be aware of the perceptions of our own ego mind if we want to speak the truth. But we also have to be aware of the effects on other people's ego minds on their perceptions of truth as well. If we speak truth to someone who has a different concept of reality, then they're not going to see it as the truth. They're just going to see it as lies. And vice versa. So if the lines of communication are so degenerated that two people can't agree on the nature of truth, you either have to change the subject to something more wholesome or just take a pause. Sometimes silence and distance are the only option. I've had this happen at work as well, at my my day job as well. You know, sometimes the client wants to talk about something really batty or loopy and the only thing i can do is change the subject we live in such a uh, political time now and in my day job i have to try to be as politically neutral as possible because i should be equally compassionate to someone regardless of what their own views are but at the same time there are those people that want to debate they want to instigate and they want to push people's buttons. And, you know, that's the only thing I can do in a situation like that. I can either change the subject or just stop talking. Uh, I do recall years back, I had a client that just cornered me during the middle of a service and asked me uh, who I was voting for. And because I didn't say it fast enough, she immediately uh, started to yell at me for not voting for the person who she was voting for. And I just remember saying to her when this happened, I thought you came here to relax. You know, she was the one that booked a spa appointment and then got mad that the person doing her service wasn't in the same political camp as her, which is just silly, right? (laughs) But that's an example where sometimes silence is the only option. So let's go into... uh, a more, uh, a different approach, not, not just within, uh, Buddhism. Let's expand our horizons a little bit and let's talk about the throat chakra. So because I touch people's faces for a living as an esthetician, I'm also aware of all the little differences that people have in their faces because I'm touching facial muscles. I can also tell, the different mind states and emotional states that people have gone through. And in the Reiki system or the yoga system, uh, there are throat chakra imbalances, which have to deal mostly with speech, but also with the ability to eat. The neck and shoulders are also governed by the throat chakra. People who don't speak their truth, or who have learned to bury their feelings deep down, uh, you know whether they're conditioned that way, or maybe they're in abusive relationship, or they're just very quiet people in general. I tend to find that they are literally tight-lipped. You know, they they scrunch their nose shut so they don't have to talk, or they clench their jaws and they have really tight masseter muscles, really tight chewing muscles in their jaw, and in the Reiki system. This will also manifest as certain health problems. People who don't learn to speak their truth are more likely to deal with sore throats. They're more likely to grind their teeth. They're more likely to get vertical lip lines. It's like everything is connected and there is that mind-body connection. And people who don't speak their truth are going to experience health problems in that region of the body, the region that deals with speech. And I even find that in myself. I I was a very, very introverted uh, child and teenager. I also grew up in a family with several very outspoken relatives, and I had learned how to be quiet. I didn't come out of the closet until I was 17. But even then, it was Texas, and there was always the issue of safety. I had learned that my, uh, my own personal views and opinions and my own personal truths were not valid and not valued. And because of that, I became quiet. And then I also grind my teeth. I still grind my teeth to this day. I grind my teeth so bad that even wearing a night guard while I sleep, I've chewed through those. And I ultimately do have to try to practice right speech wherever possible because I realize in myself how my own inability to speak truth causes me literal pain. You know, my, my jaw is messed up from how hard I clamp down and try to not have to talk. And that's not healthy, (laughs) right? That's, that's really not healthy. (laughs) When I do encounter people, this is kind of silly. When I do encounter people that are tight lipped, someone says something stupid and then they just tighten their lips as much as possible. I tell people to practice the bumblebee mouth. The bumblebee mouth is making the sound. I know it's silly, but the reason I say practice this, if you are tight lipped, if you have throat chakra imbalances, is because you can't make that sound without learning to relax your mouth. If you're so tense in your mouth, It affects how you talk, it affects how you eat, it affects how you speak, it affects how you sleep, it it affects so many things that are tied to the throat chakra, and you have to give that area some love. So, speak your truth. But, you know, there might be those situations where silence is the only answer. The big thing, though, is that you have to learn how to respect your voice when it comes to speaking truth. And if the other person can't respect your voice, that's where the silence comes in. Ultimately, our words should be a tool to lift up others, to lead people from ignorance to wisdom and to inform the uninformed. We should be able to practice listening wherever possible and to speak in a way that our words are accessible and non-threatening. We should feel comfortable to be able to speak our truth and honor the gift of being able to speak at all. If you wish to contact me directly or have your question featured in a future episode of the podcast, you can send me an email at tqrpodcast at gmail.com or find me on Instagram, tqrpodcast or my personal Instagram, rickydementia. That's R-I-K-I dementia. Thank you for listening with love and gratitude signing off.